the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, welcome again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We're always so pleased when you join us. Uh, and so is Pete Paquette. He's our engineer, wears many, many hats, and he gets us on the air. Andrew Herdliska does the producing. And Kathy DeGraw is my first guest. She's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We're going to talk about her book, Mind Battles. Root out mental triggers to release peace. Kathy, welcome to Orlando. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much, Pat, for having me on your show. Kathy, how did this book come about? It was my life story. I struggled with fear for 40 years, Pat. Uh, My brain was kind of like, I say, brainwashed to fear from the way I was raised, the way I was trained, and I had mind torment. And I knew that that was not the Lord's best for me. And so I just pressed through to my breakthrough, and I was like, I got to get this information into other people's hands, because I think one commonality we all have is a battle that we face and fight in our mind. Kathy, your first topic, mental triggers we encounter. What are you writing there? My mental trigger, a lot of people's mental trigger is fear of stress, anxiety, worry, and the triggers are what makes us go back to that same negative way of thinking. I call it unproductive, unfruitful thinking. And so we have to identify what is that trigger. And so for an example, for me, I had a fear of storms because when I was a child, Pat, my mom was always like, let's get in the Michigan basement. And, you know, when the storm came, there was always worry and stress and anxiety. And I took that in. And so even as an adult, when that storm came or some high winds even, it triggered those childhood memories and a reaction that came out of me was fear. But we all have something that mentally triggers us from a childhood, from a past experience, from something that puts us into that same fear instead of faith. And so we have to identify what is that mental trigger? What makes someone feel rejected over and over again? Or what makes someone feel 
depressed or heavy or sad over and over again. And if we can identify that trigger, we can get healing from that trigger. We can replace that trigger's fear with the Word of God, and we can walk out of that mind battle. Now you move on to the second topic uh, about identifying sources of mind influencers. How, How do you go about doing that? We have to identify what is the source. And so one of the ways we do that is say, okay, are we triggered when we're around people? Are we triggered when we're surfing our social media page? Are we triggered when we're listening to the news? What triggers us? Who, what's that mind influencer? And so we got to look at that and we got to find it and root it out because we're a three-part being, you know, we're soul, our body, mind, will, and emotions. You know, we have the, the Holy Spirit, you know, within us, the Spirit of God, and we're a physical body. And so what is the influencer in our life? Are we filling ourselves up with the Word of God, so that's the influencer of our thoughts? Or are we filling our mind up with unproductive, unfruitful things, and that influences our thoughts? Are we over-processors or over-analytical? You know, I used to be a very analytical person, and I found out, Pat, that that influenced my thoughts in a negative way, because I would analyze everything. And I believe being analytical really is a gift from God, but I believe when we take that and we accelerate it to the extreme, it can be a detriment instead of the benefit that he meant for us to be. So we got to find, you know, what is that influencer? Is it a vain imagination? Is it a spiritual warfare attack? And how is it coming against us? And then we need to protect and guard our heart. We don't need to shut off the world, but maybe we do need to sometimes shut down some conversations or shut off the TV or the social media feed. Now I want you to explain to us, our guest is Kathy DeGraw, by the way, Mind Battles, important book. Be aware of the spiritual battle. That's the next piece of, uh, that you write about. Yes. Well, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and and powers and rulers in Ephesians 6.12. And so there is a spiritual warfare. In John 10.10, Jesus says, I come to give you life and give it abundantly. But we know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so just as Jesus fought a battle in the wilderness, you know, the devil was tempting him and, you know, saying, if you'll do this or that. I think sometimes we hear that same spiritual battle. You're no good. You're never going to amount to anything. You know, we believe that lie of rejection, or we believe because we've been in fear so long that we don't know how to be in faith. And so there is a spiritual battle when we look, according to the Gospels, for our mind, and the battlefield is our mind. And so we have to identify what is that spiritual battle, but also, Pat, we can't be ignorant to the spiritual battle. So we got to find a balance, and this is what I love about this book. we got to find a balance between our own thoughts, 
ruminating, looping, going into that repeated cycle of negativity, but we also have to find a balance that maybe our struggle could be one that is a spiritual warfare battle that we have to be praying and decreeing and fighting against and breaking agreement and removing and evicting from our life. Just like Jesus fought with the Word of God, we need to be fighting with the Word of God. Now, let's move to break agreement and receive freedom. What's that about? When we have felt defeated or victimized, when we have allowed worry to come into our life for 40 years, we come into agreement with that. It actually can become our identity. You've heard people say, you know, I'm depressed. I've always been depressed. I'll never get out of that depression. Or I'm scared of this. I'm scared of that. You know, like I used to be fearful of driving over a bridge that had water underneath. And so, like, I would avoid it. And I'd be like, well, I can't drive over that bridge because it has water underneath it, and I'm going to be scared of it. And so we take in those feelings, those circumstances, and we own them, actually. They become us, our character, and what we think that we can do or what we think we can't do. And so we got to break agreement with that. We have to get out of that passive victim mentality, that defeat mentality. And so I like to say, say it out loud, because why? The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But you know what, Pat? Sometimes we need to hear our own confessions. We need to hear our own positivity. We need to be our own cheerleader. But also, we want the spiritual realm to hear, I'm not going to put up with this attack anymore. We need our flesh to hear, you know what, I'm going to change. And so I love to say to people, if you haven't been able to get a breakthrough in a particular area of your life, say, I break agreement with fear. I break agreement with rejection. I break agreement with sexual immorality. Whatever it is, that addiction, that emotional place that you feel like you're under distress, be like, I break agreement with it. And then declare out, you know, I'm going to be in faith. I have the mind of Christ. I think good thoughts. I am accepted. I am loved. I am free. I am liberated. So I believe we really have to come out of agreement with that, which honestly, we've allowed for a little bit in our life. And I found that in my own walk with fear. I'm like, I allowed fear to come upon me because I didn't do anything about it. And that's not God's best for us. And we want to live in the freedom and the victory that Jesus Christ purchased for us. Now, and our guest, uh, folks, is Kathy DeGraw. She's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We're talking about her in your important book. She's written Mind Battles. <clears throat> Fifth topic, Kathy, simply stop fear, you say. <clears throat> what does that mean? We have to stop it, one, by 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5 says to capture every thought. So that's one of the ways. But what the Lord told me years ago, he said, Kathy, if your mind is so full of the scripture and the word of God, there'll be no room for fear. But ultimately, and this is what I love about this book, is there's a chart in there, Pat, that, you know, we identify our fear, how it torments us, the trauma we feel the other feelings, and the entry point, the root cause. We have to figure out why we fear. And so I was on radio once with a radio host, and 
he was afraid of snakes. So one day, as a practical joke, I brought him in a rubber snake. And he's like, no, get that thing away from me. And I said, well, what's wrong? And he said, I'm afraid of snakes because my sister tormented me with snakes. They lived in Arizona. They had a lot of snakes as a kid. But you see, now I found what the root cause, what that trigger was. It was his sister tormented him as a child, and he never was healed from that trauma, from that point. And so it made him still fearful today. And so we can't stop fear unless we know what triggers our fear. And he had to go back and forgive his sister. He had to go back and get healing from that trauma so that he could get rid of the fear of snakes. And for us, no matter what it is, maybe it's a fear of being rejected. Maybe it's a fear of uh, water or bridges. Maybe it's a fear of storms. Maybe it's a fear of people. It doesn't matter health conditions, finances. We got to figure out what is causing that. What's the root? Why can't we be in faith instead of fear? And when we do, Pat, we're going to walk out in freedom. I was afraid of so many things, the dark bridges, water, heights, no more fear. And you know what? It feels good to be free. And I know our listeners are going to want to be free too. My guest is Kathy DeGraw. Kathy Tell us about capturing every thought. What's that mean? You got to dismiss the thought instead of entertaining it. What happens when we are fearful, when we're worried, when we're stressed, we take that thought and we run with it. We, we make a mountain out of a molehill. You know, 80 to 90% of what we stress and have anxiety about never manifests. And so right when that thought comes in, that negative thought, or they're going to reject me, or they like so-and-so better than me, or I'm not going to get that job, or you have a little bit of a health ailment, you know, maybe you got a heart palpitation, and all of a sudden you go to, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm going to have a heart attack. You know, we got to capture that thought. We can't let it blow up and blow out. And when we look at 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, And we study that out, and it says, take that thought captive. When we study it out in the original translation, it actually means, does that thought submit or align with the Word of God, or does that thought obey the Messiah? And so what we have to say is fear does not align with the Word of God. We have to take that thought captive and dismiss it, ditch it and pitch it is what I call, instead of entertaining it. But, Pat, we just entertain it. We're we're creatures of habit. But what happens here is our mind, and this is the fascinating thing, really, our mind is made to change. It's called neuroplasticity. And our mind is ever-changing. And the Word of God says His mercies are new every morning. And every morning we wake up, we have new neurons in our mind. And so we can change our mind. So even if we've been in fear, worry, anxiety, depression for 50, 60 years, every morning we are awakened to new neurons, the scripture that says mercies are new every morning, and we can reprogram and rechange our mind. 
But in order to do that, we really have to capture that thought, reel it in, and not allow our mind to ruminate, which means loop and go in the same unproductive and unfruitful direction. It's work to capture the thought. You might have to retract some of the words that you spoke out of your mind or your mouth. And you might have to retract some of those thoughts that you think in your mind, but you can do it. And you can capture the thought and retrain your brain to not even go down that dark path. Kathy DeGraw is our guest. Her book, Mind Battles, Root Out Mental Triggers to Release Peace. We have another segment with Kathy. And when we come back... Uh, We're going to be talking about exposing mind-binding spirits. It's the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. In Orlando, we'll be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. My guest is Kathy DeGraw, a founder of Kathy DeGraw Ministries and K Advancement, LLC. We're talking about her book, Mind Battles. And Kathy, as I mentioned before the break, talk to us about exposing mind-binding spirits. This is my favorite part of the book, Pat, and this is why the publisher really wanted this book to be written, because this is something that we're not teaching and bringing out into the world. But mind-binding spirits is actually a demonic spirit that can lock our mind down and oppress us, not possess us, but just oppress us. And when we look at the story in Mark 5 of the man in the gathering that came out of the boat and Jesus delivered him, we see that in that scripture, he's sitting in his right mind. And so this is showing that a demon can oppress a part of our mind. And so this is a key to our deliverance, is if you've been really tormented or in fear, and you haven't been able to pull your mind back towards good and God, we have to think about what Ephesians 6.12 said, is that we wrestle against principalities and powers. And so could there be a demonic spirit operating against your mind as that Mark 5 gathering man had? And so a mind-binding spirit is going to lock us down, and we can't get out of that fear. We try and pray. We try and worship. We try to change our thoughts into positivity instead of negativity, and we just can't seem to pull that back. Then we have to have a thought and seek the Holy Spirit and say, could there be a force bigger involved here? And do I need to cast out a demonic spirit? And so I would encourage people, you know, to say, cast out a spirit of fear. I cast out stress. I cast out anxiety. And I cast out a mind-binding spirit. I believe it is going to be the key to a lot of people's freedom to realize, you know what? Maybe it's just not all in my flesh, in my vain imaginations, but maybe there is a power source greater here that I need to deal with, and I believe it's going to be keys, keys to freedom, liberation, like people have never experienced before, because we have the mind of Christ. You know, we should think 
right thoughts. And we have positivity. That's how our Father created us, in His image. And so if we're not manifesting out of His image, then we need to look at two sources. Is it our flesh, or is there a power source here at work that's inhibiting my freedom? Kathy, I want you to talk about exposing fear's hidden force. What's that mean? This was fabulous. As I was writing the book, the Holy Spirit was giving me such revelation on this. But part of fear can be control. We want to control something, and when we can't control it, it manifests fear out of us. So if we think about storms, we can be afraid of wind, hurricanes, because we can't control the damage that they're going to do possibly to our property, our home, our life, our vehicle. And so that can create fear. And so we have to really come back to that place is why am I in the need to control it and can I release that control? Finances, Pat, that's one of the things that really put people in a mind battle. And why do we fear finances? Why do we fear lack of finances? It's because we can't control it. And so one of the key to getting free from fear is to self-evaluating and seeing why do I need to control? Can I allow that control to go? And can I trust God, which is in the next chapter? And that's what we really have to do is break agreement again with that control and release that from our life. Because if we're in control and fear, we're not going to have peace. And he's the God who gives us peace that surpasses all understanding. He is shalom, and he desires that for us. Kathy, tell us about trust releases breakthrough. What's that mean? We got to trust God. It all goes down to trusting God. And we got to go on a trust journey because when we trust God, we're going to have breakthrough, not just in our mind battle, in every area of our life. Because if we can trust God to be our provider, his name is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. If we can trust him to be our provider, then we're not going to fear finances. Our paycheck isn't our provider. Our employer isn't our provider. Our investments aren't our provider. Jehovah Jireh, our God, is our provider. And so when we learn to get in an intimate, strong relationship with God, we are going to break off the distrust. Yes, I said that, Pat. We actually, as Christians, a lot of us have a distrust for God. And so we have to learn to trust God. It's like if we have a health ailment, we have to trust Jesus, who is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. We have to trust God for, for healing or for his word, for the manifestation. We got to trust God to even just take care of us, to be our comforter, to be our helper amidst that health affliction. And so if we get to the point of trust, even if we're stricken with an infirmity, we're not going to fear 
and be in turmoil because we're going to know the overwhelming love of the Father and deeply trust Him because He is who He is. He's our comforter, our provider. He's our friend. He's our Prince of Peace. And so it really is a trust journey. But I believe a lot of Christians really can't get to that place of trust because if we did, we wouldn't have the stress, the anxiety, the fear, the overwhelmingness, the fear of finances. And so what I did, and I even put a chart in here for people, is I listed where I could trust God, and then I listed where I couldn't trust God. And even though it was hard to see that as a Christian, it really helped because I'm like, yeah, I have victory. I can trust God in these. But it also gave me just a place to look at where don't I trust you? And then I could take that to my prayer time and work those things out. And then even years later, I actually did this in a journal. I could go back to that journal and say, oh, I trust God now in that area. And one thing that I want to tell all of our friends today is often the place that we feel like we're attacked or we don't trust God is really a place that we have a great victory and a testimony to tell and other people's to help. And that's why sometimes we feel so tormented in that area. Now, the next topic for you, Kathy, overcome soulish mentalities. Uh, What's that mean? Well, we are made of a mind, will, and emotion, and we got to get out of our flesh. We got to get out of that victim and that defeat. You know, the Bible says, walk in the spirit. We have to get over entitlement. A lot of times we have a mind battle because we feel entitled to something. And so we've also been trained by our parents, not purposely, but just by the way we were raised, to have some soulish, fleshly thoughts. But the more that we are with the Spirit of the Lord, we can renew those thoughts and we can become closer to God. But again, it's, it's, it's capturing our thoughts. It's putting positivity into our mind. It's even doing natural things like, you know, exercising and breathing and and drinking water because our brain functions on a lot of water. And that helps us to feel uplifted. And so any place that we have a soulish mentality, victim defeat negativity, we need to do some practical applications to overcome that. The Word of God physical things, drinking water, exercising, and still capturing that thought. Well, Kathy, I'm uh, taking a drink of water as we speak. <laughs> we've got, th- Kathy, we got 30 seconds to talk about cut off the root. Cut off the root, whatever it is. If you observed it from childhood, cut it off. Say, get out and I destroy it. And that's what we've done. We look at our family tree. There's generational curses. We got to cut it out, root it out. So get before the Lord, ask him, how do I get rid of that bitterness, that stubbornness, that hopelessness, whatever you feel is coming still through you to cause that mind battle. Kathy DeGraw, make sure you get this book, Mind Battles, Root Out Mental Triggers to Release Peace. Uh, We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990. And FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. You want to stay tuned there all day long. Uh, We will be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. 
You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour, AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. We're talking about her book, Mind Battles, a good read. And, uh, well, we continue going west. We're all the way out in the state of Washington, Stevenson, Washington. Uh, Dr. Glenn Damon is with us, pastor of River Christian Church, and his book is out, The Lighthouse, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character. Uh, Glenn, welcome to Orlando. How are you? I'm doing good. It's a nice day out there, so I'm enjoying it. Good. Tell me about your book. Well, uh, the book uh, originally kind of came out of the context of COVID, uh, when COVID kind of hit and all the craziness was going on and our church was shutting down. You know, I felt, what does our people need to keep perspective in all this? And how do I continue to connect with people when we're, we can't meet? And so that's when I started writing these devotionals, because I thought what we really needed in the midst of all that was really an understanding of God and just refocusing upon Him, that He's in control, and that uh, all the craziness going on, uh, he's, still, he's still sitting in heaven, and He still has control, and we can rest in that. Your first topic, <clears throat> week number one, finding our security in God. Uh, tell us more, Glenn. Well, you know, as we, we look at our world today, uh, certainly... You know, I always say that every time you think it can't get more crazy, somebody rises to the challenge. And as we we look at all the the uncertainty of our world and uh, just all the turmoil that's going on, we need to go back and just rest in the fact that God's in control and that he is the one who gives us the security of life. It's not found in our circumstances. It's not found in our government. Uh, it's not found in our, even our own abilities, uh, but it's found in Him. And He has revealed Himself to us, and we can rest in that, and we can trust in Him uh, no matter what. Uh, so so that, to me, the whole starting point of our security in this insecure world begins with our understanding of God and the recognition of who He is and the totality of His character. Uh, and that's really what uh, I try to, to focus upon in the book. Now, <clears throat> I want you to talk about week two, the power of God. Well, when we think of of what's going on in our culture, there's certainly a sense of, of powerlessness on our part. Um, but when we look at God's infinite power, uh, His infinite power is is not just raw power like we think of, you know, maybe uh, a powerful machine or a nuclear fission, uh, but it's the power to accomplish what he desires in the way that's consistent with his character. And that's a message I think we need to, to rest in today is uh, as we face our world and we face the struggles and the sufferings and we wrestle with the question, why? We wrestle with, where is God in all this? Is going back and just recognizing that his power is supreme, uh, that not only is his power uh, to accomplish all that he wants to accomplish, 
but also that power is available for us. Uh, Christ, Paul says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's the, the element that we can rest in, that no matter what the circumstances, we can trust in God in his infinite power that he's going to give us the strength to face the day, that he's going to protect us, he's going to watch over us, and that he's in control. And, and I think that also takes us to the immensity of God. Um, the thing I, I think we struggle with as Christians is how does a finite human being understand the infinite God? And the way we do that is we make God finite. And I think of the scriptures where it says that, you know, he measures the universe with the span of his hand. And I've been, I kind of follow, like to take pictures of the Milky Way and, and you know, the latest uh, picture they have in space, they tell us that the furthest star out there is, I think, what is it, 28 billion light years away. So that's, you know, if you go around the Earth seven times in a second and multiply that by 28 billion light years, and that's how far that furthest uh, star is, and yet it says he measures that by the, the span of his hand. And if God is that powerful and that big, then why do we get so anxious about what's going on in our world today? Uh He's exerting his power and control, and he is accomplishing it so we can rest in that. Now, <clears throat> Glenn, tell us about week three. You call it the knowledge of God. Well, when we think of his knowledge, uh, it's, it's not only his ability to know all things present, but he knows all things from eternity past that even before he created this universe, he knew exactly uh, what was going to happen. Uh, he knows all things actual. He knows all things possible. And he uh, knows all possible outcomes. And so uh, when we think about the knowledge of God and what's going on in our culture, this is not taking God by surprise. There's nothing here that's happening in our country today that He's going, oh, I didn't realize that was going to happen. Huh, i got to come up with a plan. You know, from eternity past, he already knew that. And we see that revealed in Scripture that as he is orchestrating the event, it's according to his plan that he has established. So we can rest in that. But not only is that true of, you know, kind of the big picture of the universe, but it's also true of our own personal life. Uh, Psalms 139 talks about that, that he knows every detail of our life. He knows when we get up in the morning. He knows when we go to bed at night. Uh, there's not a detail in our life that he does not know about. And so as we face both the national issues, but also just the personal issues of our life, uh, God knows those things, and he is intimately involved in our life, and he's, he knows the outcome of those things, and he's guiding them to his desired purpose. And, and that's something I think we can find real rest in and confidence. And that kind of takes us to the, really dovetails into the next segment, which is on the, the wisdom of God. Uh, because knowledge without wisdom is of, of no real value, because 
you can know all things, but if you don't know how to use that knowledge, you can use it in the wrong way. Uh, but when we think of the, the wisdom of God, we're talking about not only does he know all things possible and all possible outcomes, but he has the wisdom to choose the best and perfect option. Uh, from all those infinite uh, decisions that are impossible, he knows the best outcome, and he chooses the best outcome, and so he never makes a mistake. And and that's what we can rest in him about uh, in terms of his plan for our life. Uh, you know, we, we look at Romans 8.28, and Paul says in that wonderful verse, you know, that uh, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It's important to understand he doesn't say all things are good. We live in a broken world where sin has uh, affected us. And, you know, when we see all the, the things that happen in our life that are difficult, those aren't good things. The, the death of a loved one is not a good thing. The, you know, we see the, the the murders of people, and that's not a good thing. We see racism, and that's not a good thing. But he is the orchestrator of those things. And he can take those things and still accomplish, because he is infinitely wise, he can use those things to accomplish a positive result in our life as a result of that. Uh, and, and that's what we can rest in. And then we can turn to him for wisdom when we lack it, as James 1 says, that we can trust him in that. So, you know, I think knowledge and wisdom give us a perspective that the things that we're facing in life has a, a positive outcome, even though we may not understand it from a temporal standpoint, uh, but from an eternal standpoint, we can rest in that. Dr. Glenn Damon is our guest. Uh, Glenn, what about the wisdom of God in suffering? Well, the, the, when we think about <clears throat> in our in our life, uh, <clears throat> it's hard for us to see the outcome. It's hard for us to see why God allows it and what's the good. But as we we look at life and we we look at suffering, God has a purpose. And I go back to the to the book of Job. Uh, you know, Job never understood why he was suffering. He asked that question. And that's the question we all ask when we face suffering is, you know, why? And rather than answer the question, God changes Job's perspective. And he, and he just reminds Job, listen, you know, I'm so much bigger than this. And I have a purpose, and you don't, may not understand that purpose, but my purpose is good, and you can rest in that. Uh, and this is where I get back to, I think, in terms of suffering. The, the struggle we have in suffering uh, is not in our circumstances, it's in our theology. Uh, Paul was one who understood suffering. Uh, if you read through, especially... First and Second Corinthians, where he describes all the challenges he faced in life, from personal rejection to personal attack to even depression. Uh, he makes this statement. He says, as he's writing to them, 
He says, I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in our affliction. So what was different about Paul? It wasn't his circumstances, because he was facing an incredible amount of, of suffering. But it was what changed for Paul was his theology, was his recognition that God's orchestrating and working and achieving a purpose that we may not understand, but he can accomplish uh, that eternal good will come out of it. And so that's why Paul could rejoice. And that's why I think we, when we, we have a small God, our problems become big. Uh, when we see the infinite character of God and his knowledge and wisdom, then, you know, our problems become small. And that's, that's the challenge in, in terms of our life. Now, I want you to move on to this topic the God who is present. You know, the omnipresence of God, um, certainly when we're going through times of difficulty, we feel isolated. Uh, you know, if, if you've gone through any type of tragedy, even when you're with people, there's a sense of isolation. And as we think about the omnipresence of God, that means he is with us, uh, every way, and he is with us in the totality of his character. Uh, God is not just kind of existing in heaven, a casual observer who's looking down at us and saying, yeah, what's going on? I'll just kind of keep my eye on what's going on down there. Uh, he's actually standing with us and beside us. And as Scripture says, he's not only with us, he's present within us through the Holy Spirit and through Christ. And so uh, that's something that we can trust in, in whether we feel his presence or not. Uh, you know, and sometimes you know, we sense his presence in our life. Sometimes he seems very distant. But as the psalmist says, you know, why are you disquieted, you know, within me, my soul, you know, trust in God. And so God is always there. He's in every circumstance. He's in every situation standing beside us, whether we realize it or not. My guest, he's in Stevenson, Washington, Dr. Glenn Damon, and uh, we're talking about his book, The Lighthouse, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character. We have another segment with Glenn, and when we come back, uh, we're going to ask him about the unchanging God that he writes about. And speaking of books, my latest book is out. It's called Who Coached the Coaches? Uh, I asked oh, hundreds of coaches uh, in all the sports one question. Who is the key person in you becoming a coach? And uh, I, I just uh, ran it right in the book, exactly as they told me. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Who Coached the Coaches? And don't forget getting the lighthouse. More with Glenn Damon right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. Now, here's Pat. My guest, way out in the state of Washington, uh, Glenn Damon, The Lighthouse, the name of the book, and Glenn, as mentioned, tell us about the unchanging God. 
one of the the attributes of God is he, he does not change. And we live in a changing world. It's constantly changing. And so as a result of that, we kind of look at God as someone, well, he can change. And, and there's even some today that look at the Old Testament and say, well, the God of the Old Testament was different than the God of the New Testament. But God does not change. He's unchanging in his being and nature, in his purposes, uh, in his promises. Uh, and that's our hope, because if God did change, then we would never know whether he's changing for the better or for the worse. And we would have no confidence uh, in his promises, because how would we read his word and trust his promises if he could change in his character and also in his nature and promises? But the fact that he doesn't change gives us the assurance that what was true for the writers of Scripture, what as we look at their lives and we see the challenges they face and how God delivered them, that same God is working in our life today. And his promises never change. His promises that he gave, that he will always be with us and guide us and, and care for us, that he will save us when we turn to him, uh, those promises are still true. So in an unchanging world, or in, un, in a changing world, we have that assurance. And I think that we struggle with, with that sometimes because we don't see that, listen, when he says, for God so loved the world, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, that promise is just as true for you and I today as it was when uh, John wrote those words and Christ stated those words to Nicodemus. And, and that's our hope. Now, uh, Glenn, tell us about the love of God and the goodness of God and the holiness of God. Those are your next three topics. Yeah, I want to I jump to the holiness first, um, because I, I think in our culture today, we tend to view God, what I call a smorgasbord view of God. And, uh, you know, you go to a smorgasbord, and, and we pick out the things we like. So, you know, for me, I always go to the dessert table first, because that's, that's the good stuff, and I'll pass the Brussels sprouts. And we tend to view God that way. Uh, we, we like his, you know, his holiness and his, I mean, his goodness and his love for us. And we start there, but we need to recognize his holiness as well. And, and his holiness is that he is separate and transcendent above all things and that he is morally pure and completely separate from all that is evil. Uh, and because he's a holy God, and that's the one attribute, if you look in, in the throne room of heaven, that's the one attribute that the angels uh, continually sing the anthem of praise about, because it's the one attribute that really kind of binds all of his attributes together, that he is always pure and no taint of sin. Uh, and so the reason why we have to embrace his salvation is because if we don't, his justice and his holiness demands that sin be be dealt with. Uh, so it's from that, really, that context then that we begin to understand the love of God, that then that God continually pours out his love for us, 
but it's in perfect balance with his righteousness, uh, his holiness, his truthfulness. Uh, those are all in perfect balance. And he redeems us and saves us and gives us the option or the opportunity for salvation. But if we reject that, uh, we also means that he's going to face his justice. So, so I think the holiness of God, if there's one attribute that I think we minimize in our culture today, and even in the church, it's that as- aspect of his nature. Uh, but we have to put that within the context of his love and grace. Uh, the two, the three go together, if you would. Now, uh, talk to us about the righteousness of God, the faithfulness of God, and the truthfulness of God. Well, the the righteousness refers to the fact that God uh, not only is has a standard of righteousness, he is that standard. Uh, and he, his character and his nature determines what is right and what is righteous. And so the law that he gives us in his word is an outgrowth of that righteousness and that character. And so, uh, but it also brings us a sense of justice because law without justice ultimately leads to unrighteousness. And so the righteousness of God means he has that standard that is based upon his character. Uh, He holds that standard, and we have to to meet that standard, but we can't do it ourselves. We can only do it through Christ. When we talk about the faithfulness of God, then we also talk about the fact that he's faithful uh, to his word, and he's always his word is always true, his promises are always valid, and he always will be faithful uh, to the covenant that he made to Israel, which is uh, a key in the Old Testament when it talks about his love, his, his loyal love. It's that faithfulness that he has to his people. And that's true for us today, that God will never abandon us. He will never forsake us. Uh, no matter where this world is going, no matter what we face in this world, he's going to be there and he's going to be true to his word. He's going to be true uh, to his promises that he's made to us. And uh, that gives us the confidence in his word that his word will always stand true or he cannot lie. Uh, he's a truthful God in all things. So, so that's, that's a real uh, basis for, for trusting his word and trusting in him. My guest is uh, Dr. Glenn Damon. <clears throat> We're talking about his book, The Lighthouse. Glenn, uh, the fatherhood of God, the sovereignty of God, and the providence of God. I want to hear about these. Well, they, when we think about the fatherhood of God, uh, it's interesting that he uses that, that imagery. And I guess to be honest, I didn't really fully grasp the significance of that until I became a father, uh, because I think once you become a father, you start realizing, you know, my kids are the most important things to me. I will sacrifice everything for my children, uh, even my own life. And it, by using that analogy, I think God is trying to give us a an awareness that of his attitude towards us. He try, he gives us a human analogy to convey to us how much he really cares about us and that he does watch over us. 
but it also is, is conveying, I think, even a greater truth, and that is that we are his children. And one of the marvels of Scripture, and I think the marvels that, that really uh, the angels could, could not grasp is how God would make us, these, you know, these finite human beings that are a mere speck on this planet that's a speck in the, the solar system, that's a speck in the Milky Way, that's a speck in the universe, that he would make us his children and co-heirs with Christ. And to be honest, I don't think we really grasp what that means. I don't think we'll fully grasp it till we get to heaven, that God has put us in a position where we have the same status with him that Christ has. Uh, and we will never fully understand that the significance of that and how much he does really care about us. My guest has been, and and this book is a good one, folks, uh, The Lighthouse, Discovering Security in the Radiance of God's Character. Dr. Glenn Damon has been our guest. We've got a wrap-up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, You're tuned in here to AM 990. And FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. And we highly recommend you stay tuned to those call letters all day long. We will be right back. More of the Pat Williams Hour in just a moment. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Now, here's Pat. Well, folks, thanks for joining us here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. That first segment, Kathy DeGraw was with us talking about her book, Mind Battles, rooting out mental triggers to release peace. And then uh, Glenn Damon joined us uh, talking about his book, The Lighthouse. Uh, Folks, we're trying uh, hard to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando. And you uh, can be a big help. You can help us. Go to the website, orlandodreamers.com, orlandodreamers.com. Just check in. Say, good idea. I like this. I think this would be good for Central Florida. We're working at it, orlandodreamers.com. And then uh, I want you to have a wonderful week ahead and uh, be back with us next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We'll have another couple of interesting guests for you. And stay tuned, of course, to AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. Have a great week ahead. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this time, where faith comes by hearing. AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.